Hello everyone. My name is Lino Ferra, the host of CribWolf Talks. In 2016, we established CribWolf Foundation as a registered nonprofit organization dedicated to help meet the growing demand for accessible, supportive housing in Canada for individuals with IDD, an acronym often used for intellectual and developmental disabilities. CribWolf Foundation understands that every adult with special needs in our communities is entitled to a fulfilling life, be socially inclusive, engaged with a community, and reside in a nurturing, supportive, and safe environment. Cribble Foundation believes that our communities are enriched when all members are able to live and thrive regardless of their intellectual and developmental capabilities. Our organizational mandate is to support the multi-residential community, we refer to as a MERC, has the supportive housing model. Multi-unit residential communities cannot exist without many supporting factors, one of which is our harmonious and sustainable relationship with the community and community agencies working in tandem with various levels of government to ensure that individuals with IDD are well supported as they transition to independent living. In our last podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with my good friend, David Petkow. He's a director of community engagement at Christian Horizons. David provided the history of the birth of Christian Horizons and how they grew to be the largest residential service provider of its kind, providing services for individuals with IDD across Ontario and Saskatchewan, two provinces within Canada, are now expanding into seven countries globally. My accolades to Christian Horizons and my friend David Petkow. I was also very pleased to share with our listeners the announcement that Christian Horizons has undertaken to, to construction of their very first Merck model in southwestern Ontario, Canada. I am certain every parent caring for their loved one with IDD is also very pleased to hear of this progressive action by Christian Horizons and obviously would want to see more of these initiatives. Throughout the podcast with David, there was consistent messaging on the value of community. The reality is that no individual with or without IDD should stand alone hence the principle of engaging the community. In order to explore this further, I have invited two members of the Cribble Foundation Advisory Committee to join me today to discuss engaging the community. Welcome to the podcast, Maggie Bates and Christine Mazurk-Farah. Thanks very much for having us, Lino. Thank you, Lino. Happy to be here. Great. You know, I came across this interesting quote from the great Aristotle that I would like to share with our listeners that really speaks to today's message of engaging the community. It goes like this. Friendship is a thing most necessary to life, since without friends, no one would choose to love, though possessed of all other advantages. That's a really great quote, Lino, and it's really true. So historically, this has been an area that is lacking for people in the IDD community. For more than 100 years, so from the end of the 19th century to the end of the 20th century, really, many people with disabilities were sent away to institutions. And sadly, at the time, that really was the only option that was available to them. And then in the 1970s and the 80s, uh, a movement uh, was coming and they began to transition people back into the community and out of the institutions as we collectively began to understand the harm that this type of facility could cause and was causing to this population. Um, so I think we've really struggled with the concept of institutions for many, many years. We certainly have. 
Yeah, and so there really remains a very dark cloud uh, over the housing and care of individuals with IDD that taints the ability to design and create a better residential solution for these individuals. Mm -hmm. So to be very clear, the multi-unit residential community or Merck housing option that you were discussing earlier that's endorsed by the Kerbal Foundation um, really should never be associated with the term institution because it's not what it is at all. Um, and this, the same can be said for any of the other Mercs and that type of residence uh, that's being proposed by groups such as Christian Horizons that you mentioned, and uh, also the existing residents uh, such as those that are operated by RENA. Really good information, Maggie. Thank you. Can you provide a little bit more detail on the Merc and, and talk to our listeners as to how is, how is the, the Merc that Krubolf is envisioning, how is that different? Yeah, sure. So the Merck is a really progressive and very necessary housing solution with a community focus that does address all of the components the families caring for individuals with IDD desire for their loved ones. So that would include like inclusivity, interaction, independence, safety, and the incorporation of proper support systems. Um, so these attributes working in tandem will ensure that the quality continuance of life that the primary caregiver envisions for their loved one is addressed. Mm-hmm. So as services have changed over the last 20 to 30 years, most individuals with disabilities do not face having to go to institutions, facilities like that. Um, So that's a very good thing. So that's good, but the current disability service system that we have in place today still results in people with disabilities being largely socially isolated from the wider community and its members. So that's not as good. Mm-hmm. So we we are slowly moving forward uh, to a more community-based involvement to allow all people to accomplish their goals with the focus on the individual being the driver of their own lives. So to having the agency to determine what they wish to do and where they want to live and with all of the loving support around them. And that's really where the Merck comes into the picture there. Um, So their support system may include their family, their friends, their faith community, the business community, and uh, any of the other organizations like RENA, Christian Horizons, and many others who play a role to formalize these supports for them and to make sure that they have a more integrated and well-rounded life. Right. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed that line about um, the individual being the driver of their own lives and, and, and being afforded that autonomy to make those choices. So yeah. Um, really, yeah, great, uh, great context for sure. I did some research on what belonging to community really means. And the American Association on Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities states, and I will read this, community living and participation means being able to live where and with whom you choose, work and earn a living wage, Participate in meaningful community activities based on personal interests, have relationships with friends, families, and significant others, be physically and emotionally healthy, be able to worship where and with whom you choose if desired, have opportunities to learn, grow, and make informed choices, and carry out responsibilities of citizenship such as paying taxes and voting. Mm-hmm. In a further research study conducted by the same organization in 2013, it was noted as more individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities are physically included in community life, in schools, our neighborhoods, jobs, recreation, and congregations, the challenge of going beyond physical inclusion to true social inclusion becomes so much more apparent. Hmm. There needs to be a symbiotic relationship between the community and individuals with IDD. 
So Christine, how do we ensure that there is a supporting relationship with community? Really good question, Lino, absolutely. So in a research study conducted by the New Brunswick Association for Community Living in Canada, they note very succinctly the difference of being present in a community without being socially included. Hmm. While many individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, IDD, experience physical inclusion in their, in, in their community, social inclusion is often lacking. Another way of looking at this is that persons with disabilities may be in the community, but they're not necessarily of the community. Mm-hmm. A University of Minnesota study found that although individuals with disabilities may be physically living in the community, they have little sense of belonging to community life. While people with disabilities may experience physical integration, they often do not experience social integration or social inclusion. How true. Mm-hmm. Being socially included means that a number of things are present in people's lives, such as experience a sense of belonging, are accepted for who they are within their communities, have valued roles in the community, are actively participating in the community, they're involved in activities based on their personal preferences, have social relationship with others who they choose and share common interests, and they have friends. When people experience some or all of these conditions in their lives, they are more likely to be happier and healthier. In fact, social inclusion, I found this really interesting, is an important determinant of health. Without inclusion, people are more likely to experience poor health, including poor mental health, loneliness, isolation, and poor Mm self-esteem. Christine, I read that. That was a fantastic tutorial entitled Friends Connecting People with Disabilities and Community Members. It was authored by Angela Novak, a PhD and a professor at the University of Minnesota. I think we should post this on our website. This is very, very good information. Absolutely, Lena. It's a, just a fantastic read and really just a, a good, good paper. So I'm really happy that we're going to post it. So the research paper, Friends, uh, developed as a grant through the, the uh, University of Minnesota, takes a deep dive into the social isolation of a person with IDD. And they walk us through 20 years of research involving agency staff, people who receive services, and members of the community who have befriended people with IDD. The manual was designed to help people with disabilities increase community membership and belonging and for promoting relationships with community members. The study began in the late 1980s, working with residential services and day program agencies that supported individuals with IDD to explore addressing the issue of increasing community relationships and belonging. The teams looked to determine if there were actions staff could undertake, were there things the agencies could do to bring people with disabilities and the community members together? What roles could the services system play in encouraging more relationships and friendships between individuals with disabilities and other community members? What roles can ordinary citizens, you and I, play in increasing the inclusiveness of our communities? From the first Friends Project in 1989 through to the present, the learning process continues. Imagine, 20 years of research. And you know, that's exactly right, Christine. This is a space that is constantly evolving and improving, which really is a very positive thing for the integration of the IDD community into the larger framework and fabric of society. So what many people may not realize is that for many individuals with IDD, their social network is basically a triangle with just three distinct groups only. So paid staff, family, and other persons with disabilities. 
Many people uh, in that community live, work, and spend all of their leisure time only with others with disabilities. And I can say from my time with Crib Wolf, from knowing you, Lino, and you, Christine, um, that the social network of individuals with IDD living with their families is typically mediated through the family as well, which can, in some cases, serve to further narrow the limit and, and the scope of interaction, depending on what the family maybe uh, is able to participate in or, or is willing, mm-hmm. willing to do and, and you know, become involved with for the sake of their loved one. So while community members are increasingly used to the presence of people with IDD in public places, in houses of worship, and in some cases in their places of employment, there really does remain a, a great social divide. So uh, I think something that we really need to be very clear on is that acceptance of physical presence is different from inclusion and integration. Mm-hmm. And if we look at that in a snapshot, we will you see this critical boundary. You will often see persons with disabilities on one side and then the rest of the community on the other. I really like how you phrase this as a snapshot. With a person with IDD on one side and the community on the other, with a critical boundary separating the two worlds. Let's layer in relationships. Yeah, yeah. We can use the relationship map as a way to diagram a social network and show why it is important to work on community connections. So a simple exercise for everybody. Think of the relationship map as a circle. Draw a circle with you in the middle. Draw another circle around you and put the people you see most frequently, love the most, are closest to. Draw another circle, and within this outer circle, put people you associate with, but no less well than the inner circle. See what your relationship map looks like versus a person with disabilities. Pretty amazing, right? Mm-hmm. We all have numerous friends, contacts, colleagues, etc., that we associate with on a regular basis. From experience, I expect our individuals with IDD would have a very short list of names on their relationship map. How would you feel if you had no friends? What would you do if you had no friends? Our research found a study that stated 60% of individuals with IDD residing in group homes had no friends who were community members, only staff, family, and other persons with disabilities. Wow. Back to the triangular network that Maggie mentioned earlier, where's the community engagement? Research shows that when there is community engagement, the individual with IDD grows as a person, has a feeling of doing great things, and feels tremendous gratification. So, how do we grow? How do we expand their list of persons within their circles? Great question. For some of us, we go to work each day, right? We see the same people each day and develop friendships. For persons with IDD, this may not be the case. If we reflect on our own social circles, this can be quite vast, and diverse. What I've heard thus far, Maggie, you've discussed the triangular social network, the three points of the triangle to be specific. You know, one point being friends of individuals with IDD, the other ones being the family, and the third point, the support network. Right. Christine, you described the relationship map, you know, with with your wonderful circle demonstration there. Mm -hmm. But if you overlap the triangular social network onto the relationship map, there is a large, there are a lot of empty spaces. Yeah, yeah. So how do we foster social inclusion for all persons with and without disabilities? Really good points, Lino. The overarching message is that for social inclusion, we must be committed to expanding the number and quality of relationships in the social network of someone we support. We need to fill those empty gaps, right? Yeah. 
Which brings us back to our conquering the great divide, that critical boundary between persons with IDD and the community, and to expanding the circle of friends and persons within their social network. It quite honestly starts with one person befriending a person with IDD and nurturing that forward. We must find each person's strengths and assist in the development of friendships, relationships, employment, etc., based on each individual person's strengths. It's interesting, when we start talking um, about participating in the community, the immediate response of most persons is to think about activities. Mm -hmm. Individuals who receive services have outings or activities, and they're generally associated with going to a restaurant, maybe shopping, or going to a movie. Hmm. Participating in activities is vastly different than getting to know people. One of the key elements in being successful as a community connector, new buzzword for all of us, community connector, is to start asking the question, who are they going to know there? It takes looking for people rather than looking for activities. Where will they see the same people in the same place over time? How will they get involved with others there in a meaningful way? An example from the University of Minnesota research paper provides just a fantastic um, example. Mary's interest is in music. When staff identify that as their interest, a frequent response generally is, oh, let's take her to a concert. But who will she know there? What might be a better place to pursue her interest in music? What are the places she will see the same people in the same place over time? Where are the places she can really get involved with others there? In Mary's situation, should we shift our thinking to a church choir? Church choirs have church choir practices. A high school or a college orchestra or a band? A music store? Perhaps a radio station where they can have a regular role? Supporting a local rock band? Maybe a concert series where they could volunteer? The concept is to develop friendships, develop relationships that can be nurtured. Developing friendships and improving social inclusion starts with one little introduction, just one step at a time. Imagine how fantastic it would be if we all took a good hard look to really see the ability of someone we support, find that great fit in the community, and made a concentrated effort to make the introduction of improving the life of another, one plus one plus one, along the pathway to social inclusion. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. You you really hit it right on, Christine. And I, I think that the perspective uh, that we have on a situation can really limit how we view our options and our opportunities and those of others. So for example, if we see an individual only as their disability, we will not see what they have to offer others. And if By the same token, if we see community members only as unaccepting, we will also not see those individuals who extend the hand of hospitality and openness or who want to do that, Mm -hmm. right? So we really need to change how we view both the persons we support and the communities that we're trying to connect into. You're absolutely right, Maggie. And sometimes it's just, you know, we need to change the lens that we're looking through, right? So my question to the, to the listeners, if you had an extra two or four hours in a week, could you commit to expanding the number and quality of relationships in the social network of someone you support? Can you commit to bring people closer in? Can you commit to add more people who would be there for that person just because they like that person? We absolutely must break down the critical barrier, the barrier that separates our individuals with IDD in the community. We must nurture relationships to provide societal inclusion for all persons. Yeah. I trust this podcast provided our listeners with a fresh perspective on looking at the very limited social network of individuals with IDD. Christine, Maggie, your messaging has shown us, all of us, 
that we can welcome people with IDD into our communities, that we must assist in the nurturing of new community friendships. And all of this will ultimately expand their social network and improve their inclusion into the community. Thank you, Maggie and Christine, for joining me today and sharing your research with our listeners. Thanks for having us, Lino. Thank you, Lino. We're at the end of our podcast. As always, financial contributions are welcomed as Cribble Foundation requires your assistance to continue its work. This episode of Cribble Talks, along with the previous episodes, are posted on both our websites, cribble-foundation.com and cribbletalks.com. If you have a comment or want to share your story or be a guest on our podcast, write to us at info at cribwolf.com. Thank you very much for listening to Cribwolf Talks, and join me next month for our next important podcast. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you.